Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Let's get right to it. Keith is in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Keith. How you doing, Seth? You getting ready for your new governor? Yeah, Vernon Jones. Vernon Jones. There you go. I saw Stacey Abrams is throwing herself back into uh-uh, the race. Oh, no. We're not going to talk her name. Well, uh-uh. I don't understand how she can run for governor uh, when she already uh, – why she's talking about running for governor when she's already governor. That's right. That's right. She's she's running for re-election. She's just been – She has maintained you know, that she was the elected governor of Georgia for the last four years. Right. Right. She, she's hanging out at, at Krispy Kreme and stuff like that. And yet it is undemocratic to question the results of an you, election. You know, that's another thing that shows about their hypocrisy there. You know, they, they Hillary Clinton, Stacey Abrams, all these other people can say the election was stolen from them. And there's really um, not there's just not tangible evidence for that. But when Donald Trump says it, when you, everyone plainly sees what had happened that night, the multiple cities that that went down at ten o'clock at night and then reopened up at three in the morning, and all of a sudden the the thing shifted. But you know, it's it's just the the hypocrisy of what what was going on. But hey, um, real, real quick about abortion that you were saying. Yeah. Um, you you you've really laid out a brilliant point. If if men have no say in, in about abortion, then Roe versus Wade is dead because of the the men that were on the Supreme Court. You know what my my argument was? Uh, I've always used this: is if men have no say about abortion, then every time a, a lady takes a man to court to make him pay um, child support, then he if he has no say in about the life of the child that he should have no oh we can play the game all day long yeah right keith we can play this game all day long um why should uh why should black people legislate for whites why should white people legislate for blacks uh once upon a time we used to think we were all americans that you know engaged in an electoral process to sustain a representative democracy where we abided by the results of an election, even if we lost, regardless of the race of the people, regardless of the gender of the people. We don't vote against people because of their gender. We don't vote against them because of their race. And we don't look at their genetic material when they hand down Supreme Court decisions. But there's something even harder going on here. I mean, the left really hasn't figured this out. You think they're all smart because they're college professors? They ain't that smart. You can't have them going around saying, Men can't have don't have eggs and fetuses, while at the same time they're telling us men can menstruate and give birth. I, I just you would think that they're smarter for all those college professoriates they hold. Not too smart to me. Yeah. What's the What's the law to follow here? Do men have eggs or do they not? Can they give birth or can they not? And is Roe versus Wade good law or not? Because it was decided. By seven men. It, it's insane. It really is. They have 
convoluted so much about nature and what's what is true out there. And that's the other thing. That's that's how Democrats get away with so much stuff. They cloud what is truth and what is uh, make everything a gray zone so that they get to manipulate and tell you what the new truth is and you have to follow the law, their law. And they use it to their advantage. They, they, they also are really dumb. They're not actually smart. If you follow any of the interviews, Twitter or elsewhere, you can find them on CNN, MSNBC, Fox really too, of the people who were rallying in front of the Supreme Court yesterday on the, uh, on the, uh, on the pro-choice side – they were saying such things as – and I saw it in almost every network. They were saying such things uh, as if this decision eviscerates or you know reverses Roe versus Wade, we will have an America where abortion is illegal once again. Uh, we didn't have that before Roe versus Wade. We didn't have an America where abortion was illegal. Two-thirds – 66% of every American before 1973 lived in or within 100 miles of a state that had legalized abortion. Roe versus Wade being gone does not end the right to abortion. I just think people need to know that. They don't. Yeah. Anyway, you didn't call about that. I'm sorry, Keith. Go ahead. You know what? And I and I hate to say this, I lost my train of thought. What, I think I the, think I think you wanted to talk about the honesty of the press and Joe Biden. Oh yes. The yes, reason I think it. that is I have this little handy thing built by uh, built 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 by <laughs> by uh, by the Dell Corporation that allows my producer to tell me your name, your city, and three words on what your topic is. I have oh, Biden it, press. And the rest, uh, I guess we have room for one more word. So I'm guessing you, you Biden, honesty, and press. Here's what I wanted to say. Wouldn't it be interesting for someone to ask the president, and it would be a person from the press, ask the president himself. A former vice president has said that any president has this many deaths under his watch should resign from the presidency because he's not fit to be president. Ask that question to Biden, and he would probably sit there wondering, and I don't think Biden would remember who all the former vice presidents that are alive are now. He probably wouldn't even remember. I don't think he would remember that he said that himself. I just don't think he really is in control of his faculties anymore. I don't think that man remembers what he said two weeks ago. I don't either. Uh, that question was asked of Jen Psaki by the only person who would ask that question, Peter Ducey. Yeah. And they were ready. I mean, they knew it was coming. And they said uh, it's not about the number. It's about what you're doing about the number. Well, that's not what Joe Biden said. And she said, as opposed to the previous administration where the president was suggesting such things as injecting yourself with bleach. I can't find that audio. I don't know what she's talking about. The president didn't say inject yourself with bleach. Yeah, they just that, they that, just continue that, to lie. They just continue to lie and change the goalposts that they themselves established. Of course, right. Joe Biden was talking about the number. Of course, he was. Otherwise, he wouldn't have used the number. Right. It was. It was all political expedient during a campaign year to do that. So that. But it's playing play with people's that. fears and health. I mean, is anyone angry about this? Is anyone angry that you have political leaders playing games for political expediency with your public, physical, and mental health? That's what they're doing. I think it's a shame. 
And, well, that means nothing to the Democrats because they look at the people that are way below them as their tool anyways. They don't care how much fear that we they bring upon us or whatever. They, they just want control of us. And I really believe that. They do not care how much damage they do to society and this country as a whole as long as they achieve their ultimate goal of total control of the population. Except my worry, Keith, and maybe you'll agree with me, just a small disagreement with you. I don't think control is their ultimate goal. I think control is a midpoint on the way to their ultimate goal. I think their ultimate goal is more than just control. I think it's an entire new ideology imposed on the American population. Control is the way to get you there. What would you say? I mean, the ideology is to have the government to control. Marxism. Marxism. They take over uh, through uh, a slow process of diminishing the rights, eviscerating individual liberties and the Constitution. That's the control. Now what do you do with it? You impose the ideology that the people they quote are espousing, and the people they quote are, of course, self-avowed socialists and Marxists. You have your Ibram Kendis, for example. You have your Robin DeAngelos, for example. These are the go-tos. These are the people. I saw some kind of really nasty statement. Where was it? Do I still have it? I have a guest on occasionally named Robert Woodson. And uh, he's an old civil rights activist, marched with Martin Luther King Jr., used to have the National Center for Neighborhood Enterprise. He works with gang members. He works in rebuilding communities in urban areas. He's an obviously a, I say obviously, I shouldn't say obviously. He is an African-American man. He is a hero in the civil rights community. He is a hero in the urban communities in which he operates. And uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who writes the 1619 Project, says, isn't it interesting that just now, just now, whites are trotting out Robert Woodson, Bob Woodson. Uh, well, they, you know, they can lie all they want or they can be ignorant all they want. I'm not sure if they're lying or if they're ignorant. But Robert Woodson has been around an awfully long time, and we haven't trotted him out. He has wanted to be speaking out and has been on my shows and a lot of other shows for decades. They just they, they are either lying or ignorant. If they're lying, they shouldn't be listened to. If they're ignorant, they should be shunned. One last thing, if I might, on uh, not the lying Joe Biden, but the lying Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci's in possession of his faculties, so maybe it's unfair to say Joe Biden is lying. He may just have memory failures. On the Omicron variant, this is what Anthony Fauci said yesterday. In Zimbabwe, in Namibia, in Lesotho, in, in Mozambique, what justify imposing a travel ban on countries that have zero case of the Omicron uh, uh, Hold that thought, just if I can translate it. You have, you have a, a journalist with an accent asking Anthony Fauci, why we put travel bans on African countries that have no evidence of Omicron variant being there. Go ahead, Bill. You know, that's a very good question, an important question, and, and we did struggle with that. But we wanted to see if we could bide time temporarily. So I do hope that this 
gets sorted out and lifted before it has any significant impact on your country. We did struggle. We wanted to see if we could bide time while we try to understand what's going on. That's him yesterday after we have a travel ban against African nations. How did he put it at the beginning of the year, Bill? No, I don't think I could answer that question. Uh, I'd, I'd be waving my hands about that. Sorry. Well, you know, one of the new things in this administration is if you don't know the answer, don't guess. There you go. <laughs> Just say if you, you don't, don't know, know the, the answer. answer, don't guess. That's the new thing in this administration, as opposed to the last administration. You don't think uh, Anthony Fauci is a political animal. He started that was his first press conference in the Biden administration. OK, just so you know who we're listening to, people who change their story all the time. To maintain what? A lie. It's not just government leaders. It's not just public officials. It's also corporate leaders. Tim Cook, you know the name? Heads a pretty big organization called Apple. It's about an hour from San Francisco. Cupertino is about an hour from San Francisco, if my memory is correct. Last year... When the riots were devastating Minneapolis in the light of the George uh, Floyd death, this is what Tim Cook, the head of Apple, tweeted. Quote, Minneapolis is grieving for a reason. To paraphrase Dr. King, the negative peace, which is the absence of tension, is no substitute for the positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Justice is how we heal. So he's defending the rioters in Minneapolis. Uh, Scott, uh, no, excuse me, John Hinderocker over at Powerline points out that as it happened, Apple had a store only blocks away from the center of the George Floyd riots. That store was attacked during those riots when Tim Cook was justifying them. Subsequently, in June of 2021, this year, Winston Smith fired at police officers who were closing in on him in the parking ramp for the development across the street from Apple's location in Minneapolis, and they returned fire, killing him. That triggered another round of rioting that devastated Uptown, once one of Minneapolis's principal entertainment districts. Now the whole area is shut down. There's only a partial list of businesses that are still operating in the neighborhood, just very few. One that is not mentioned in the press reports that has closed permanently is the Apple Store. Permanently closed. Can't deal with the rioting anymore. Like all tech companies, Apple has a trendy left-wing culture. It's easy for its CEO to excuse riots as grief in search of justice. But when it comes to operating a business in an area that is beset with riots and crime, Apple, like everyone else... Wants no part of it. Here's the point. Here's the point. There are some great cities in America still. There are some beautiful cities in America still. There used to be a lot more. A lot more. Who went to San Francisco in the 1980s and has gone since? You can destroy a good city. You can destroy a good city in very short time. This city, Phoenix, it can become San Francisco. Phoenix is a nice city. 
it can become San. What, what what was it about San Francisco magically that turned it into the poster child for crime and shutting down businesses because they couldn't be protected from theft and injury? Was it something in the water? Was it something in the air? Was it the Pacific Ocean? It was none of those things. It was policies. It was policies. I was having lunch with some folks, and I said, you have to remember last year what was going on in Oregon. Also, Portland, a once beautiful city. Do you remember William Barr, the attorney general, testifying before Congress, trying to justify dispensing federal officials to protect the federal courthouse in Portland, which was being firebombed on a daily basis. And the Democrats and the Senate Judiciary Committee interrogating him didn't think he was right to send federal agents to protect a federal courthouse. A federal courthouse, by the way, where a security guard was shot, a federal officer was shot. That it was an argument over whether to protect our federal courthouses. Well, those on that side won. They won. They have destroyed their cities, and they've destroyed something worse, which is the ability to build them up again. They've destroyed the ability to build them up again because they are now gripped by the idea fix that what they did for the last year and a half was the right thing, allowing the rioters to express their form of quote-unquote justice. Just a small point, folks. If you're suing the government or a representative of the government on a claim that your civil rights were violated, you have to go to a federal courthouse to do that. You have to go to a federal court. They were destroying the very institution that gives all Americans and maintains all Americans' rights. I know it's an ugly thing to say, and it's a sad thing to say. But until we have a dramatic change of mind in ideology, it's not going to get better. We'll be right back. Listening to a little of that Casey and the Sunshine Band reminds me that we're going to have to start using Christmas music, Bill. And, uh, and uh, we'll probably want Casey and the Sunshine Band's version of the Little Drummer Boy. That and what's that other great one? It's Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, isn't it? Those are the two best versions. Johnny Cash as well. We are delighted to have with us Ryan Williams, who is in studio. He has been with me. All day. He is the president of the Claremont Institute. Bill and Ryan are making nice here. Ryan Williams, put some cans on. Let's talk a little bit. I want to. Um, you're, we we spoke earlier um, on air, and uh, and and we talked a little bit about the mission of the Claremont Institute, which you are the president of, and which I am, I think, still privileged to be a senior fellow of. You'll tell me if that ever changes. <laughs> But, you know, the Claremont Institute has had its hands around so many different issues. One of them, and, and I really think it was the Claremont Institute that, uh, that, came, that, that really started this debate and discussion, was the power of the administrative state. 
And that was early on from some work by scholars like John Marini. And uh, was right. Ken Masugi part of that? Oh, uh, yeah. Ken Masugi, John Marini, Charles Kessler. Charles Kessler and the administrative state. And I was reading uh, – I'm not sure how, how, how familiar you are. I apologize for not knowing with some of Kurt Schlichter's work. Are you familiar? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we have correct relations with Kurt Schlichter, as oh, they yeah. say at the State Department. Kurt, uh, we see Kurt at all of our annual galas oh, and catch go. up every year, yeah. Well, I was just reading a piece about he wrote over at Town Hall on o- the Omicron variant of the virus. And he writes, the fact is we've given a bunch of lab-coated human beings power, but we forgot about human nature and allowed them the but science trump card to escape accountability. Fauci, Anthony Fauci recently, uh, before opining on January 6th, essentially claimed that to oppose him is to oppose science. He's now said that twice on record from what I can tell. But talk to me a little bit about checks and balances and this notion that we are now seemingly governed by people no one had ever heard of and that have never run for office. This this is the essence of the administra- administrative, administrative state run riot, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's a good example of it anyway. Y- yeah, and uh, we can get to it after this, but COVID and the sort of uh, latest and racialized uh, anti-racism, if I can mix those two together, sure. are both are kind of the apotheosis of progress, the way progressives want to do government. Um, yeah, Fauci, I mean, he's been around forever. He's unfireable. Uh, you know, he was demonstrably mendacious and incompetent during the AIDS crisis. Right. I mean, it's all in the public record. Right. You know, he had housewives uh, freaked out because they thought they were, you know, going to get AIDS by mm-hmm. kissing somebody. Right. Or even airborne transmission. Uh, so, it, you know, this this game repeats. I, we've joked about this. But we didn't lock our country down over AIDS. No, we didn't. We didn't lock no. our country down. We didn't punish children. We didn't. Right. I mean, it, I, I, I guess I guess he figured that this was his last shot. <laughs> I guess. Well, and it was so quickly. This is his booster. Uh, it was so quick. I mean, this was he said this kind of stuff even after most physicians in the country knew the nature of this disease. So it was um, he had less running room uh, than he did with this. You know, the L.A. County Public Health Director, yep. uh, you know, she has a, uh, a master's in public health, which is uh Really, I just call it, it's sort of the social justice degree of, yep. of public sure. public health in many ways, or uh, infectious disease or anything else. She has a PhD in you know I forget what, but some tendentious mm-hmm. humanities or humanities adjacent thing. So it's it's not only it's, it adds insult to injury, right? We have all these people who rule us without our consent. They really are untethered from the normal uh, checks and balances. They're not really removable by the executive branch. They're not really that accountable to Congress. Uh, and uh, and at the same time, half of them are fake experts as well. Fauci actually is an expert in his field, more or less, uh, but he's been a political animal for 30 years. And this was the central conceit, or not maybe conceit's not right, maybe just the error or the, the sort of naivete or optimism or misreading of human nature of the progressives, which was to say that they thought true expertise could govern sort of neutrally within a system of human beings working together politically. That is to say, they will always be self-interested in a certain mm-hmm. respect. So the founders were cl- more clear-eyed about human nature, uh, and uh, the progressives got that wrong, and we're living with uh, now over a century of that handiwork. Let me, uh, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to pursue with you this notion of that being obviously the vector of the problem, but maybe, 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 your sense of this, maybe I have the vector wrong, and maybe the American people 
never a good idea to speak on behalf of the American people, but maybe too many of the American people are willing and wanting to have that. Maybe they want to be governed by, you know, uh, quiet men in white coats in dark hallways that they don't know. Maybe they are anxious, if you will, uh, and excited to give up their liberty to be take care, taken care of by an administrator. Can we pick up on sure, that the, theme after this? Yeah, break? the great psychologist of that is Tocqueville, of course. Absolutely. Dr. Tocqueville, who does not have an abstruse degree <laughs> in the humanities. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Ryan Williams. We'll be right back. So we are going with the Christmas music this week. Why not? I mentioned Casey and the Sunshine Band. Boy, I should have asked for something bigger. I didn't know you could deliver that fast. Well done, Bill. Thank you. Uh, our guest in studio, delighted to have him, is the president of the Claremont Institute. Um, by my lights, the most important think tank in America and one I am I thought that before I was affiliated with it. I am proud to be affiliated with it today. Ryan is the president, and that also uh, makes him the publisher of the Claremont Review of Books. Claremont.org is the website, C-L-A-R-E-M-O-N-T, Claremont.org. You can access all their works there as well as the Claremont Review of Books. And um, just picking up on what we are talking about, Ryan, the administrative state, we get a sense of what that means in 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 uh, in practice by watching how people we've never heard of and never elected, Rochelle Walensky, Anthony Fauci, I mean, the list goes on, are really dictating the way we govern our lives. And that's one problem. But what do you do with the problem? I was kind of teasing before the break. What do you do with the problem of so many fellow Americans who seem to want that, like it, delight in it, and even ask for it? This um, We used to call it uh, being taken care of by the nanny state. We're in some other undescribable, at least I don't have the words for it, we're in some other... Uh, it seems to me exponentially worse place than even just being taken care of by the nanny state. I wonder if you would like to comment on yeah, that. Yeah, we were talking about the supply side of it, and yeah. you're talking about the demand side. Perfect. Of it, well right? done. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, that's what a bachelor's degree in economics gets you from Hillsdale. You can yeah, do supply and uh, yes, yes, the, the, the pride of Hillsdale. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think there's something to that, or a lot to it, really. Um, and uh, as you, as we mentioned, Tocqueville, Alexander Tocqueville. Wrote, wrote about this uh, in the <clears throat> middle of the 19th century. And his his fear was that centralized administration in America, what he called centralized administration, that is uh, regulation and governing of our lives uh, down to some small detail from the center, that is from, from Washington, D.C., would be um, stifling of self-government and, and sort of um, stifling of the human spirit, uh, but would also be welcomed by a good portion of the population. This was one of the the tendencies or dangers of small d democracies, you know, you uh, uh, it's just sort of where they tend. Now, American republicanism always had uh, great ways to resist this, uh, starting with the founders' design and the culture of the place and the mores of the place. But after a while, in a in a mass democracy, you you begin to uh, lose some faith in your independent opinion, especially in the face of mass opinion. So that coupled with the now a century long ascendance of the bureaucratic state and uh, in many ways the therapeutic bureaucratic state. I mean, you know, it's uh, it gives you money when you're locked down for COVID. It, it instructs you daily in what you ought to do about COVID. Um, it's in a way a substitute for thinking independently, which has become, which in and of itself becomes harder and harder in mass democracies as they mature. It's an interesting word you're using, therapeutic. The sociologist at University of Pennsylvania, David Reef, once talked about the triumph of the therapeutic. He wrote a book yeah. about the triumph of the therapeutic, which is the feelings. We see this now 
on, on steroids, but that feelings become more important than facts or truth or effort or anything else. Yeah. And um, the government is here to soothe us more than to protect us, maybe. Um, it's here to soothe us rather than to run the actual affairs of state, keeping uh, the streets uh, clean and operating and, and, and protecting us as a matter of national security. And there's something profoundly, to me at least, un-American about this. You think about this country's, I don't know, mottos over the years. I mean, we start ourselves off by saying, give me liberty or give me death. We have states whose mottos are such things as live free or die. You and I are kind of amateur scholars of the Civil War for obvious reasons. We know what the lyrics in the Battle Hymn of the Republic were about, as he died to make men holy, we shall to make men free. Um, We even, you know, took it into into, into this century with things like um, better dead than red, mm-hmm. which Ronald Reagan even used during his presidency. That's how recent these notions are. N- none of that obtains or seems to obtain anymore with at least, I don't know what I could say, about half of the population, maybe more at this point. They would rather be in fear. They would rather be in panic. They would rather not, they would rather not engage in the practice of liberty out of uh, fears that people can convince them they should have it, it's 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 almost it's almost back to some of the some of the early Supreme Court discussions about um, about the importance of the First Amendment would people rather exercise liberty or would they rather be protected uh, from from ideas that can harm them it seems like we're in in a really terrible world on that right now in America yeah the the flip side of the um, lack of concern about preservation of liberty is another legacy of progressivism, and it has to do with its historicism, which is to say uh, history is always moving forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, We advance as a species. We can perfect ourselves. And part of their pitch for the administrative state was, look, we've solved the problem of tyranny. So the the flip side of of not worrying about preserving liberty is, look, real tyranny is not going to come again. You know, we have solved that problem. So in that way, the this unaccountable bureaucracy directing our lives is much less of a threat. I mean, it may be inconvenient. Uh, and oftentimes it, it's very convenient and helps us live our lives and everything else. But really the hard edge of it, you know, we're not going to go back to the dark times of, of real tyranny and real misery. That's, that's part of the, um, the legacy of progressivism. Although, as my colleague Charles Kessler has pointed out in, over the last decade, in many ways that progressivism or modern liberalism has dropped the progress of history uh, component of it. And so now it's just kind of a nihilistic pursuit of the elevation of identity and pathology. Yes. And part of it is resultant from, well, I remember when the Berlin Wall fell circa 1989, Harry Jaffa was giving speeches that we still haven't beaten communism. Mm -hmm. And I don't think enough people were listening. I mean, obviously, there was China, there was Cuba, but he was talking about the American college campus uh, where the ideology was – it wasn't raining at that point, but it was certainly certainly more prominent than it had ever been. I'd say it's raining now. I talk about the lab leak of the ivory towers being much worse than the lab leak out of the Wuhan um, uh, virology lab because it affects our brains, not our lungs. So we're we're working on a – putting the finishing touches the next month or so on a a report on the top 75 – so t- top public university in every state and then the top 25 private colleges and universities. And what Scott Yenner's leading it for us, uh, our Washington fellow, his day job's at Boise State, um, 
just caused some controversy with a speech he gave on feminism at National Conservatism Conference in Florida. But uh, but Scott, what Scott's found he's surprised, has surprised him is that the sort of leading edge of wokeism now is in the hard sciences. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it long ago conquered right. the humanities right. and the social sciences. Right. So now it's moving on. I'm so, not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it took medical over, school, right? You know, um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. It took over the NFL. Mm-hmm. Took over the Joint Chiefs of Staff of yeah. Pen- over at the Pentagon. It's a very virulent ideology. Right. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I uh, will have a, a concluding thought with you all in just a few minutes, and uh, we will be right back. want to thank Ryan Williams for stopping by. Of course, as I said, president of the Claremont Institute. The Claremont Institute was really founded by uh, the scholar you hear me talk so much about, Harry Jaffa, the Lincoln scholar, the Declaration of Independence scholar, and Aristotle scholar. I'll give you a flavor of Harry Jaffa if you want that I think he was way ahead of his time on. This is from something he wrote about 20 years ago. He said, diversity is demanded by those who will tolerate no deviation from the politically correct. And what is political correctness? But another name for the party line, it is the Leninism, Stalinism without Lenin or Stalin. Racism is the generic term for any kind of false consciousness, that is to say for any opinions not considered politically correct. has nothing to do with what was once called race prejudice, an unreasonable depreciation of other human beings because of their race, color, or ethnic origin. The charge of racism is made by the very people demanding racial quotas, race norming, and segregated racial and ethnic centers. To point out the contradiction in these demands, or indeed of any demands made by the politically correct, is to bring on the accusation of logism, which means the use of reason, a vice-held characteristic of Eurocentrism. The contempt for Eurocentrism as an endemic vice corresponds closely to Marx's contempt for the false consciousness engendered in the ruling classes of all societies founded upon private property. Racism itself is then nothing but the endemic quality of human consciousness prior to the transformation of human egotism into human altruism. Political correctness is nothing less than the blind and willful insistence upon the fulfillment of the goals of revolutionary Marxism-Leninism without any reference to that failed enterprise itself or to any rational political analysis. Indeed, the new political correctness differs from its predecessor, only in its insistence that no reason needs to be given as to why it is correct. It is a synthesis of the goals of Marxism and nihilism. I'm Seth Leibson. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, class dismissed.